electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Stocks are looking for some stabilization this morning as investors continue to prioritize these new COVID records and lockdowns ahead of Q3 earnings. Uh, Q3 GDP, though, does set a record up 33.1 annualized and claims keep their seven handle. Our roadmap begins with the economic bounce back coming off the worst quarter in history. Third quarter U.S. GDP roars back. Not quite enough, though, to wipe out Q2's loss. Plus, it's COVID versus earnings as virus cases surge around the world. It is the busiest day for corporate results in what has been a strong season so far. We'll have the CEOs of ServiceNow and Yum join us this hour. And we got another major chip deal. Second this week, Marvell Technologies buying in fee. The price tag close to $10 billion in cash and stock. Carl. Jim, I heard you talking a moment ago about uh, Fang, or most of Fang reporting tonight. Right. How are we thinking about the role of Q3 earnings right now when obviously we have some larger dynamics at play? Well, I think that you have to look at the, uh, at the stronger trends that could influence things. Katie Huberty out today with a note about Morgan, from Morgan Stanley that uh, really says, listen, the estimates are way too low for uh, the new 5G phone. That's the type of thing that, that has legs. Uh, I think that when you think about Amazon, they, they're, they're going to be able to tell a fantastic holiday story because why? Dr. Fauci last night on Shep basically tells us we're in a bad place. That's unfortunately, uh, you don't want to say, but it's good for, for Amazon. I think that Alphabet, they have to worry about telling too good a story because they're under the gun in Washington. But you know what? That setup is a pretty good setup. And maybe the best of all is Facebook in light of the fact that I know people are saying that, that Pinterest really took a lot of business because of the boycott. Uh, against Facebook. I, I think that that, well, I love Pinterest and think it's just terrific. Uh, if there was a boycott, it will not even take a day's worth of earnings off of Zuckerberg. My, by the way, thought he handled himself very well, or you could say the other guys handled himself very poorly. So I like the tenor of what we're hearing for after the bell, but I'm wary of the fact that Microsoft was probably the best and they crashed it. So let's uh, see whether people can uh, fight the blue wave. David, a blue wave means... For a lot of people, short and cover whenever election night really ends uh, because there's a lot of stocks in a blue wave that would be crimped or despised by a hijack uh, of the far left. By, Which you, by mentioned, you mentioned that on Squawk. So is that your new thing? Are you concerned about that? Yes. Have Why? to be. Okay. A hijack by the far left. Well, that sounds no, like the language be- of, the, of the Republicans. No, it's a narrative. It's not, you know, look, David, it's a narrative. You're going to hear all, I go with what I'm going to hear all day from people. And they're going to say, well, it's hijacked by the far left. I mean, I is mean, that going to happen right away or is it going to take well, a We while? don't know because who knows when we've got the election counted. But, you know, you short the managed care stocks right. into a blue wave. The managed care stocks then drop 10% and you buy the managed care stocks, leading with Centene and maybe United Health. There, I gave you your game plan. David Pfizer goes down to 32 ahead of the election, drops to 31 and a half. People think they've made a lot of money. You buy Pfizer. This is what you do. 
All right? I just gave it to you. Okay. You can go do your thing. I don't know. Whatever that whatever thing is, is that I you're do. doing. I don't, I don't know. Tiffany. Nobody you can go knows. Do Tiffany. I'll go do the Tiffany and the other stuff. Whatever that But I've just given you how to make real money in this Fa- market. Real money. Thank you. I'm going to watch for that hijacking. Scary. Uh, by the way, we don't even have a clue how the election's going to actually turn out, Jim. There's plenty of people, despite the polls, who believe that the Republican, that Trump's going to win. Well, I just, I'm saying that the... the the current zeitgeist is to bet blue wave. I, I've learned enough. Carl, what did I learn in 2016? You don't know what you're talking about if you're predicting, particularly because the way to get hold of voter, voters when you're polling is gone. I mean, it's yep. just not like you dial the home number yep. anymore. Yeah, I mean, um, J.P. Morgan had a note yesterday talking not about blue wave or no blue wave, but whether it's a light blue wave or a dark blue wave. Ooh. And part of their point, Jim, was that undecideds Undecideds at this point are 3%. In 2016, it was 11% at this stage. It's the lowest number since the 40s. So Joyce Chang's desk, I mean, their argument is that the polls are not going to be any worse of a predictor than they were four years ago. Well, it's cerulean blue. Like kind of like our blues. We have very pretty blues. But I think that that what, uh, there's a whole other cohort of people who say, Come Tuesday night, uh, a bunch of us will stay late and it really won't mean anything because Pennsylvania just got permission to vote whenever the hell it wants to. And Pennsylvania is obviously whenever the key Whenever the state. hell it wants to? Well, I mean, didn't you see the Supreme Court ruling? I did. I believe, though, everything's got to actually be postmarked prior to Election Day. Well, but there's a kind of a more leeway than we've ever had. Did you have a bunch of conversations this morning with yeah. some of your friends over uh, in D.C.? I always talk to people <laughs> in D.C. <laughs> All right. You know what I want to get back talking to? talking to Jack Nicholas, well, Jim? Yeah. Like, I'm going to stop giving him a hard time. I mean, did you guys see Pinterest? Uh, Pinterest, I know more saying? than anyone in the world other than the CEO, the CFO, and the IR who used to work for me and was what my editor. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Okay. Jane Penner. Her father was an admiral. Take, well, so tell me a little that. more because obviously it's extraordinarily strong. Is it in some way reflective of the continued move away from traditional advertising? And is it perhaps therefore a good sign for Facebook or not? Yeah, uh, I think it is. I mean, everyone's glomming on to that one line. They use the word boycott. Uh, but the fact is, is that they have great verticals that are easy to advertise. In, and it is known as the kinder, gentler website. But I think Facebook has got this initiative to do small stores. You look at Shopify's numbers, you know that the Instagram shops is just going to be on fire. How do you reach people? David, it's just it's all CPG now going into these guys. And Pinterest was a remarkable quarter. And I've got to tell you, it is a delight to hear kind of like Disney like programming, mm-hmm. especially when Disney is closing parks. And yeah, unfortunately, having to close in uh, France. Right. Yeah. For, How's till, the Comcast the uh, the theme, park theme parks is very tough. Yeah. Comcast, of course, among so many. Carl, the reported earnings this morning. We'll keep an eye on the stock. The conference call began at 830. We'll certainly share anything of interest from our parent company that you hear. Broadband continues to be the engine in many ways. You can see the stock is rebounding a bit. It was hit hard yesterday, though, as well, um, just in the general downturn in the market. Broadband ending with 633,000 high-speed Internet customers. That's a record. But to Jim's point, I mean, theme parks basically aren't open. If they are, they're barely having much attendance. And so the revenue number there, the attendance number, the profit, everything down dramatically. Not to mention, as we know, theaters, movie production. So in in a number of areas, things uh, were hit hard, not unexpected. Hence why you may see the stock actually perform quite well. Did you like Sky, Let's also see what we hear around the Did you like Sky? Um, I, you know what? In all seriousness, Jim, I haven't had a chance to really get a great sense for it. So I, I don't have an answer. I'm sorry. I was overwhelmed yeah. this morning. Well, you know what I like, Carl? 
He just did the one thing you're never supposed to do. I don't have an answer. Right. He didn't cuff it. He just said, I don't have an answer. <laughs> for parent company of Stedward. No, I, I, maybe you just go, huh? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, no, you, I, I mean, mean, you know, better that uh, than peacock, say something that's not true. That, that's a good that, point. That's, that's absolutely. Yeah. You'd never want to do that. Uh, peacock, 22 million uh, is 2x in three months. Uh, NBC, EBITDA, X Parks, up nine, uh, says something about uh, financial discipline. But to your point, guys, about just the liability of parks around the world, uh, Disneyland Paris, as you said a few moments ago, will close end of day, October 29th. Uh, which is uh, today in a, in d- latest direction from French authorities, Jim. So you have to move these stocks into the vaccine column. Uh, yeah. So in the barbell, there's uh, consumer spend now, but then there's vaccine. Uh, and we just keep hearing Len Schleifer talking about the idea of maybe three vaccines. Uh, now, Regeneron got that good news last night. It's completely uh, lost in the in the shuffle that you could be out of the hospital very quickly, a la what the president did. But we're in no mood to hear anything good about uh, uh, about covid because the caseload, Carl, is just continuing to go higher. And my point is, every day it goes higher. Are we going to go lower? Because if that's the case, we're going to go to minus five. And that's not going to happen at a certain point. I'm not saying we're going to be inured to it or learn to live with it because some people will have to learn to die with it, which is impossible. But there's going to come a level, there's going to come a day where we're going to say, oh, man, yeah, COVID. Yeah, okay, okay, COVID. And, and I know that sounds callous, but that's what happens, Carl. It's just like, you know, we, we're not going to go down every day because the caseload goes up. It just won't happen like that. Yeah, uh, to your broader point, Jim, it seems like it always comes back to masks. Uh, Tom Lee's uh, note this morning is, emphasizing in those uh, wave three states. They're uh, looking at mask uh, preference data on Facebook. You're reaching areas where people are starting to mask up. He sees that as a positive. And even Ken Frazier of Merck talking about the timeline for vaccines and therapeutics this morning on Squawk said doesn't ameliorate the need for masks in the shorter term. Take a listen. I don't see the therapeutics that we have or the vaccines that are coming as a silver bullet. I think for the foreseeable future, uh, we're still going to have to practice basic mask wearing, social distancing, hygiene. I think that's with us for a while. And I would say certainly well into 2021, we'll still be uh, trying to observe these public health measures. Uh, I'm very optimistic that we're going to have therapeutics and vaccines. I think it's a mistake to tell people, though, that it's a silver bullet and overnight we're going to be able to vaccinate enough people, treat enough people. Yeah. yeah. Jim, uh, it seems like it always comes back to it. Yeah. I mean, look, when I, I did my initiative with uh, uh, XPRIZE, which is nonprofit, by the way, XPRIZE.org slash mask, I was surprised to see who stepped up immediately to develop what we're trying to do. It's called a community mask where people would like the mask. It can actually help you and help the other person. And most importantly, is more comfortable. It's a 3M. Uh, it's Honeywell, uh, it, it's, uh, it's Autodesk, it's Under Armour. I am now thinking that business is going to take the lead. The National Association of Manufacturers play a big role. Uh, getting together with scientists, particularly because of aerosol, which is really the issue. So I think that companies around the country are saying, you know what, we got to step up. The federal government has abdicated. We've got states that are pro-bars. When you listen to Dr. Gottlieb, I don't, uh, Dave, he always makes so much sense. He says things like, Hey, you know what? Schools aren't really the problem. It's bars. Yeah, he's a very linear thinker. No, what does that mean? Just he just moves down a line, right? Well, I always thought that a linear was better than linear. Well, maybe I don't know. 
atonal music better than Shostakovich, better than Beethoven? I'm, what are you getting? Well, were, you, were you at Stravinsky's Rite of Spring riot or something? You're old enough game. to have been. Yeah. Well, didn't have games when we moved to L.A. Right, Carl? It was L.A. that really got him going. It's only, we're only getting started here. I don't know what's going on, but uh, it's, Col- you know. Coltrane, Coltrane, big Coltrane. use of atonal uh, and, half steps. Coltrane, not far, <laughs> born not far from me. Okay. Carl's forgotten more about music than you I and know. I, either one of Name us know. Name so. 15 minutes born from me. And uh, sheets of sound. <laughs> Guys, we'll take a break. So much to get to in the way of earnings. Uh, Shopify, Spotify, Duncan, UAL, Ford. David's got more on LVMH and Tiffany. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, this sort of split picture that we have here this morning with Dow Futures down, but uh, S&P up. Back in a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. United announcing it is piloting a COVID-19 testing program for customers on select flights from Newark to London from November 16th through December 11th. Every passenger over two years old receives a free rapid test. Comes about two weeks after United introduced testing on its flights from San Francisco to Hawaii. Jim, you were just making the point that uh, companies themselves are saying we may have to do a lot of this on our own. Yeah, I I think that there's a, a realization that there's no cavalry from the government coming. Uh, they're just not going to take that role. They don't think that they should play that role. States obviously can't play a role in uh, interstate commerce like an airline. So uh, in a laissez-faire government, we basically say, all right, what are we going to do? Uh, I know that Abbott felt that they would play a big role in this uh, with their app. I'm, I'm not hearing that. Uh, I'm hearing basically another way to make some money. Now, we know that the NFL tests before a game. And so you can do pretty rapid. We know that we use a here. We have a turnaround PCR very quickly. David, what we're discovering is, is that we can very quickly tell uh, to a great degree whether you have COVID. So uh, the airlines are taking it. What's the matter? What are you making a face? I'm looking at them sticking the thing up that guy's nose. I'm just looking at a little. But it's not like they put it. through. No, it's not bad. We have it done uh, once a week, thankfully, which uh, we appreciate. We'll find out our results today. I use uh, very. Do you use Pixel by LabCorp? Right. You can do it yourself. Right. It's an excellent service. Insurance pays for it. I'm not hyping LabCorp other than the fact that the stock was just the company put a a number up that was extraordinary. And you can test yourself all the time, which is what I do. If this can have people avoid being having to be quarantined and therefore result in more people being willing to make a trip between New York and London, you can understand certainly why United would want to try it. Right. Um, but what happens when you get there? I mean, get, you know, what is France? Say? We had a terrific report with Dom, on Dom's show, uh, a very nice person from Germany. That's one of our people who said that Merkel basically said she banned. She banned social life. Right. No more social life, David. That's it. You can't well, socialize. No, no, for you, that's nothing. But for some of us, it's actually a big deal. Carl, that's I mean, a misanthrope like David, it's like, ah, social oh, life's no, out. Wait, I, asked, I, told, I said you were one yesterday. Don't throw that back at me. No, David, you don't I shop. Love you don't go out. For me, I don't I'm like shopping. I love socializing. Carl, Carl, I like to meet people, so it's a little different from David. Yeah, and for this, <laughs> the ban social life for me is actually, it's an issue. Yeah. 
I never know. gets old, man. Right? Yeah, I, it never gets old. <laughs> David, introverts must love a good pandemic, huh? I, I, I guess so. Right. I don't know. I, I'm going out every night still. Did, while you, it's study, still did you study 1918 to figure out whether you didn't have to go anywhere? <sighs> You're the one who's like stays in your house somewhere. David, when I, lets people I come told over David to on my birthday, you were there, Carl. That this, he said, Jim, you are making so much of this pandemic, it's painful. It's not even going to happen. David, not... Maybe All I can one. say is I can't wait for five years when we have your next big birthday <laughs> and I can make fun of myself. <laughs> Looking forward the, to that. The call. last night, all three of us were happy. That's for sure. Yes. Um, guys, when we come back, uh, restaurants in the pandemic. We'll talk to the CEO of Yum! Brands. Uh, record digital sales. KFC up nine. Uh, Pizza Hut up six. Don't go. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Welcome back. Uh, we got about 10 minutes before we get to an opening bell here on a Thursday, of course, after some significant volatility this week. Ford is a name, though, for the Mad Dash, one that if anybody's been watching these last few weeks know that you have warmed up on considerably. Yes. Uh, there's a fellow by the name of Jimmy Carcar. That's what they called him when he was growing up. His okay. name is Jim Farley. He actually crossed the country in a Ford when he was 14, broke a lot of rules when he did that. And yesterday he broke every rule in the book. You know why he did it? By reporting a number that was great, number one. But two, there was no, and if it had only been this, and had it been that, if there was this, and this goes that, no. It's like F-150, can't stock it, out of control, love, EV coming, the Bronco coming, selling all the, only selling the good vehicles now. And then, David, there's a determination. This is quite different from Ford. He wants to make money. Right, you've said that. Yeah, and it's rather radical. When you listen to him, it's, it's it sounds like a lot of other companies. He's even talking about SaaS, software as a service, David. Right. I mean, this thing, this was such a great quarter. And what did he do? He beat himself up. He said, we weren't there yet. We don't have the right cars. The warranties are too high. Uh, this is a blessing. This man is a blessing. And he's talking, you, know, you know, his grandfather worked for Ford uh, at, at, the big, at the big plant. And he's a Ford guy all the way. He loves the Mustang. They've got a new Mustang coming out. He's very excited about the Bronco as compared to Jeep. Uh, but the F-150 is uh, maybe, he talks about maybe the greatest product ever other than something that Apple's put out in terms of sales. Right. And you can't get them. I mean, there's, remember, there was two months where everything was shut in this country. Yes. So now there's a, a big inventory problem. There's just not enough. And when that happens, David, even the used ones, go look at a used one, David. You'll see one tricked out for 62000 Tricked out means that it's... Understood. Really? Yeah, there's a couple in the parking lot here. I've seen. Well, the F one fifty. I was going to give one to my wife for, for her birthday. Were you sharing really? is caring. Yeah. Uh, but she said no. She actually wanted something that she liked. Oh. A necklace. 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Can't drive that. No, you can't. But you Farley would win. You got to talk to Farley. You got a nice call on this. You have got to talk to Farley. He's uh, you, different. You're still hanging in there, though. More than ever. Because you've had a nice move well, already. Thank you, but I'm not done. I'm taking Farley back to 11. All right, you heard it there. We got an opening bell a few minutes away for uh, for you. Of course, don't re- don't forget, Bill McDermott going to join us, ServiceNow CEO. After that, company reports earnings uh, as well. We're not going to ask him about SAP, right? Oh, what the hell? Yeah, we'll see. Coming right back. Welcome back. Finally, there is peace in the high-end jewelry business. LVMH and Tiffany, uh, as we indicated a couple of days ago, of course, were uh, talking uh, about trying to get something done. And uh, late last night, early this morning, however you want to call it, they got it done, uh, which we've been telling you would be the case. One thirty-one fifty. Also, you're going to get that $0.58 cent share uh, dividend. So closer to one thirty-two in many ways. Many expected if you got a new deal, they wouldn't be paying another dividend. They are. Uh, they're done. Uh, and the expectation is there's not going to be any problems between now and close. You do need shareholder votes yet again on both sides. You're going to have the SEC. Will they choose to review it or not? That could end up delaying it if they want to do that. But they're working with early, let's call it to mid-January, maybe later in the month uh, as a close on a deal, of course, that we have been talking about for months because, well, Bernard Arnault had some buyer's remorse, at least five, ten dollars worth, if you want to call it that. Not that he ever really thought about not buying Tiffany, but he was never happy with quite how much he paid. Now he can feel a little bit better. Maybe it soothed him psychologically to just feel like, hey, you know what? I, I got my couple of bucks off. Remember, it was 135. Now it's 131.50 again, though. They're paying that dividend as well. Um, they could have closed this months ago. It probably could have saved them a couple of dividends. It's not clear that any of this was worth it. Uh, and as I had reported many times, uh, it didn't appear they had a particularly good case going into Delaware court as they were planning to. Uh, that said, if you are Tiffany, you probably want the certainty that comes with the slightly reduced deal and get to move on. Uh, into a new future together. Uh, and that is the plan here. There was a, a, a thought that you might get a tender offer. That would have had the effect, of course, of allowing them to close this much more quickly. But remember that letter, remember that weird letter from the French foreign ministry that came in that said we would not look happily. I'm actually paraphrasing here. It was all about, well, you should or does that mean we have to? not close the deal before January 5th because of the trade dispute between France and the U.S. Anyhow, they don't want you to remember the letter. It's not mentioned anywhere in the press release. But that's why you didn't get a tender. That's why this thing is going to actually close after January 5th. So they make sure they didn't have to get somebody to retract the letter or deal with the letter or talk about the letter. But I like talking about the letter, Carl and Jim, because that was the most fascinating part of this whole thing, where that thing came from, from the French foreign ministry. Um, but, Jim, uh, Tiffany is going to get end up owned, being owned by LVMH. You know, when you speak to Patrice LeVay, uh, who is, I think, the excellent CEO, Ralph Lauren, they want to go personalization and you want to go direct to consumer. OK, I, how do you do that if, for Tiffany? I think that's the big issue for me. I don't know how to personalize Tiffany, and I certainly don't know how to do direct to consumer. And given where we are right now in the winter ahead, it's not clear that traffic trends are going to get better in the important holiday season. Uh, Remember, they have been reporting numbers that they said were far, far off from anything remotely looking like a material adverse change or effect in their business. But this is not going to if if COVID cases keep rising the way they are, Jim, you'd imagine it's going to be tougher to get a very strong holiday. Right. And going to Tiffany destination is not what people are going to do. People aren't flying to New York. I mean, I I totally understand why you would want to pay less for it. That said, Carl, the brand is still a good one. The, the 
you know, the robin eggs nest box still matters. It's just that that's not the way people are selling things anymore. The people are selling things mm. personalized and it comes to your house. And I think that you have to be if you got to have at least one of those in order to succeed in this environment. Uh, it's well said, Jim, and we'll talk about things like Etsy and pins uh, after the bell here as we see a little bit more stable picture than we saw yesterday as we get the opening bell at the NYSE and the NASDAQ. Jim, uh, David mentions dividends. Exxon uh, foregoes a div hike for the first time since 1982, closed 12 cents above its March low yesterday, and we got oil down again today. Yeah, I wonder how much your radar is tuned to that. Uh, you know, Royal Dutch kind of going the other direction. Royal Dutch, the old rival to Exxon, actually, actually did some good things and uh, raised the dividend, which I find is kind of antithetical to the moment. But uh, Royal Dutch has some good cost controls after doing some things that I think were too aggressive. Uh, look, uh, this group, when you listen to the Ford call, uh, Jim Farley, car guy, says over and over, EV, EV, EV. I mean, this is the... Yeah, this is one of those moments where if you're in the oil business, you've got to really pivot rapidly because when you're in the car business, it just doesn't do any good to talk about combustible engines. Everyone's talking about Europe and how you've got to deliver or California and how you have to deliver. It's a nightmare to be in the oil business. And I just think that we are better. Maybe natural gas is a little bit better because uh, it's still the bridge fuel. We're not to hydrogen yet, and uh, yesterday GE did have a good number when it came to turbines. I will know that stock is bottom, and I call it turbines like the rest of us. But I just think that oil stocks— That move down on oil is pretty significant. It is. That's going to be a long bridge, though, Jim. I mean— Bridge to nowhere. That bridge between now and the renewables future where it really represents a significant percentage. I mean, I know electricity generation, it will, but— for powering automobiles? No. Carl, is it, is, it, uh, the river, is it over the River Kwai or is it the uh, St. Louis Ray? Which bridge? But none, none, no bridge that goes so, across. Does that mean this entire time you can't buy oil stocks for what could be years to come? Yes, Chief. And that's or, exactly what I mean. Really? Yes, Sunshine. I got chiefed and sunshine, yeah. Carl. And we're, you're about to get some heavier ones. How many times do I have to say? I haven't been, and, well, and no, how's Joker? your Occidental doing, David? I haven't been Daved yet. How's your Occidental doing? Mine. Yeah. My Occidental. Yeah. I haven't looked, actually. Yeah, your Chevron's not doing so great either. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mike Worth. Okay. The only, I told, now I said the only investable one is Pioneer because they're buying the sun. The father's buying the sun, Oedipus, uh, um, with, with buying parsley. And I think that works. Oxy is at $8, Carl. That's a pitiful, helpless giant if I ever saw one. Mm. You know. ExxonMobil's yield is 11%. Oh, that's mm. sustainable. Man, that, you on the just, transcript, if you look at the yeah. transcript of the show, Carl, it says Kramer says it's sustainable. Then online, people say when they cut it, Kramer's, Kramer loved it because you can't really be sustained. You can't, can't be, be ironic in TV. In transcript. The, the flatness of TV does not allow you to be ironic. This is a little TV lesson. Edward R. Murrow over there. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, fracking, which is so important and, by the way, has led to actually less carbon as a result of natural gas replacing coal as the main fuel for electricity generation. Nonetheless, Jim, if you were to start to stop fracking, wouldn't that actually result in higher oil prices, last, which I would mean, be good? Thank you. Rusty, Rusty Brazil comes on Mad Money quite regularly. So I think the expert in oil and gas, and it's really amazing. He said that, that Trump sowed the seeds, the seeds of the industry's destruction by making it so that there's a lot of guys, all they know is to drill. And there, remember, he lets you drill wherever you want to. I mean, if you want to drill in the backyard, it's like, fine. And there's just always too much oil. And the guys are addicted. 
They can't stop. I mean, I remember the late Aubrey McClendon telling me that when you give a, an oil man a drill, he's not looking at he, the Occidental she, is not looking at the price of oil. It's just, listen, produce as much as you can. So we're, we've been producing way too much, and this is what you get. And there has to be consolidation. Uh, David's right when uh, he said, you know, Jim, you like that Chevron. I was just trying to pick one that I know has a decent balance sheet. Uh, I, I know I'll regret it. Well, uh, no, you're giving it a shot. I am. Um, well, you know, Mike reports this week. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm Mike and him. Guys, I want to uh, get to a deal we mentioned at the top of the show. It's about $8 billion cash in stock. Marvell uh, is acquiring Infi. Ten. And it's not. Well, Matt, it's eight two. Matt's calling then it you got to throw in. I know, got to throw in debt. It's it's around eight two, um, but so worth it. Open uh, about one hundred fifty six. I haven't taken a look at, at Marvell. See what that stock. Oh, there it is. Sorry, it's right. In they're front crushing of it because so it's, it's not worth. Price. It's not even worth what it was. Um, uh, the it's sixty six in cash and two point three two three shares of uh, Marvell. There's uh, Matt Murphy going to join us uh, uh, in the eleven. Carl, he'll be with you. Um, Can Jim, I say something I mean, this new? is data center related, I, right? Cha- I mean, it's data center. It's the way you get it out of NVIDIA uh, GPU that you can use it to memory. Quickly, it to, even more to, reliable data delivery at incredibly high speeds. Right. It's a high performance. It's the yeah. only one that's really left. I mean, think about it. You do the $40 billion ARM NVIDIA, right? $30 billion for uh, Xilinx the, the Xilinx AMD. Uh, AMD. And now we got a 10, now $8 billion. Chips are and hot. And the thing that I would tell you, David... My charitable trust owns Marvell. You're going to look back and say, why didn't I buy it? Because this accelerates the growth rate and it's immediately accretive. So give me a break. Okay. Sport. I'll, you got it. Oh, sport. he sported me too. Yeah, you're getting some sport. Man, sports. Sunshine. Yeah, I, I still it. love Chief. It's my favorite. Chief. Hey, why don't we go? You know what we ought to do? Segue into something else, Colonel. Uh, <laughs> Young Brands reported 8, 8% gain in quarterly revenue, smaller than expected drop in comparable sales, uh, helped by a rise in online orders and its Taco Bell chains. And I got to tell you, it is not, make, not easy to make money in the restaurant business when restaurants are closed. Joining us now, first on CNBC, Young Brands CEO David Gibbs. David, I, I don't know, when you took this job, did you ever expect the fact that you're not supposed to have any people inside your stores? No, this is this is not the way I expected my first year to go, Jim. But uh, good morning, and thanks for having me. Well, I am uh, kind of amazed that some of these businesses, uh, Taco Bell, let's just call it on fire. Uh, I mean, to the point where you would think that there is no pandemic. How the heck is that possible? Well, it, it certainly looks that way at the top line, but beneath the surface, uh, there's a lot of work going on with the Taco Bell team to pivot the business. Uh, in this environment and meet consumers' new needs ex- wherever they need them. So we've increased our delivery business at Taco Bell. Obviously, with dining rooms closed, our drive-throughs have become even more critical. And the really big story coming out of Q3 is obviously around tech. You saw that our digital sales at Yum were up a billion dollars in the quarter for the second consecutive quarter. Never has that been more true than a brand like Taco Bell, where they uh, are embracing delivery, rolling out a loyalty program, improvements to their app, and customers are loving it. Why don't you talk about the, what the Grub Steak did? Because I, I believe that your company, look, look, it was everybody's first pandemic, not that you saw a pandemic coming, but uh, it's really changed the a way that people eat, and you were well ahead of the game. Yeah, we thought it was important as aggregators emerged to um, form a partnership, uh, get a board seat at a company like Grub where we could understand what's going on on the front lines with aggregators. And that's how that worked out. Now, as you saw, we divested of that uh, stake and uh, we're not, and actually made a little profit on it. But most importantly, we um, 
really understand what's going on in the aggregator space, have formed good partnerships with a number of different aggregator partners, and that's helping fuel the business. But it's not just aggregator driven, obviously. This is all about the dine-in business, you know, drying up in this environment and how we pivoted all around the world to delivery, drive-through, carry-out, and uh, really, you saw in the numbers, our uh, system sales grew in the quarter, our profit was up, uh, and our sales at stores that are open, same-store sales, were flat for the quarter. An amazing pivot when you think we had about over $4 billion of sales, typically in dine-in during a quarter like this, and that number, you know, we've lost about $3 billion of it, but been able to make all of it up. Hey, David, you know, we keep seeing uh, these renderings of the the fast food uh, restaurant of the future where it's walk up service, it's multiple lane drive throughs. Can you give investors a sense of what kind of CapEx is backing that up and what's the calendar on renovating or adding uh, new restaurants that would look like that? Yeah, the asset base is another example of, um, as a lot of people talk about in this environment, trends in the industry accelerating. You know, we've been moving to a more of an off-premise model over time um, all around the world. Uh, as you go to more of an off-premise model, that presents opportunities in the asset base where you can shrink the footprint, uh, do more than one drive-through lane. You know, we have some stores for KFC, for example, in Australia that have five drive-through lanes that we rolled out over a year ago. So we've been on this trend for a while, working on new asset formats. They'll be smaller, they'll be more designed for delivery and for contactless curbside pickup, which is a big part of this. You know, with uh, dollars tight and customers wanting to you know, maximize their spending money, a great option is to just do contactless curbside pickup at our restaurants, and we're going to design assets to do that. So that's going to reduce the capex for our franchisees and produce uh, stronger economic returns for them. And we think it'll fuel unit development around the world. I'm glad you mentioned that, David, because I was very worried about your franchisees and, and Pizza Hut. Uh, there were some concerns about balance sheets. Uh, these are hardworking people who have built a tremendous, you know, really great achievements over time, been able to get a lot of Pizza Huts. I saw the Pizza Hut number. I'm trying to figure out, to me, it was good. I see the stock going down. I think the stock may be going down because the market is really soggy. But can I call it a turn yet at Pizza Hut? Absolutely. You know, as we've been talking about with Pizza Hut for the last few years, um, we need to pivot more to the delivery carryout business. It started as a dining business, and we're in the middle of that pivot. What you saw in the quarter is incredibly encouraging for a turnaround. The delivery carryout sales at Pizza Hut in the U.S., when you exclude Dine-In and Express, were up 21%. We were up mid-teens all around the world. That's strong growth and a really great sign for the future of that business. As you mentioned, you know, we've got some great franchisees. Some of them started working in the first Pizza Hut that was ever built, and they're still franchisees in our system. And uh, they're making the pivot to delivery carryout. And obviously, their balance sheets are getting stronger with growth like that, profitable growth. All right. Last question. I'm people forget that, that you are in, you're around the world. Uh, you're reading about COVID all over the world. Uh, France, I mean, you've got a big operation in Europe. I mean, what are you, what are you thinking about what's going to happen when you hear uh, Macron trying to decide whether people can go out and uh, Merkel suggesting that they don't? Uh, just because in the end, that could close everybody if you're not careful. Well, you know, we know a lot more about the virus and the environment today than we did when it first hit. And I think one of the things that's generally been recognized around the world is that getting food from our restaurants is a safe, affordable, convenient solution for consumers. And we can play an important part of the recovery and getting through this in the communities that we operate in. 
Well, uh, we didn't know that when it first hit. There was a lot of uncertainty there. So yeah, it's possible that we'll see dining rooms reclose in Europe and France. Um, but we know that the other means of access for our assets um, can really make up for that loss of dining room sales that I talked about earlier. And we can get through this. The thing that I'm most impressed about um, from the, our third quarter results we just reported is how our teams have pivoted around the world and embraced this new environment. That gives me confidence our resilient business can continue to pivot and embrace whatever challenges are thrown our way. Well, it, it, really magnificent versus what you had to deal with. And uh, I really think that in many ways the pivot is happening. And you've done a good job, David Gibbs. Uh, who is the CEO of Young Brands, a stock that is down right now. But don't make the stock be indicative of how the company did. That's the wrong way to think. The stock's being brought down by the futures. Carl, back to you. All right, Jim, uh, thanks for that. Good stuff. Uh, Dow is down about 200, oil below 35, uh, lower since June. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Obviously, we are watching the soft equities, not only domestically, but globally. Uh, the data that we received, whether it was initial and continuing claims, pretty much as expected. Uh, the whisper number for GDP was probably a little higher than the 33.1, but that's still a good number. What we haven't talked about, personal consumption, just under 41%. That's the best since 1947, all-time high, as is GDP. But the point here is, look at an intraday of 10s. Okay, it doesn't look very good. We're basically on the low yields. But when you put it on a one week chart, and this is important, we are not on the lows. Obviously, we've lost some ground. But the fact that yesterday and today were unchanged, basically, in the long dated treasuries is important. Now, let's look at Boone's. They're hovering at the lowest closing levels since March. The ECB didn't do anything. Maybe that was the issue. Uh, Euro versus dollar. Here's a two week chart. We're at two week intraday lows. If we should close here, we are flirting very close to the lowest levels on a euro versus dollar since May 1st. Carl Jim David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll talk to you in a bit. Uh, Rick Santelli, uh, later on this morning, service now, CEO Bill McDermott's going to join us after the break. In the meantime, uh, all sectors are lower except for some tech, and that includes Apple, uh, which is leading the Dow at the moment. Don't go anywhere. Wow, something's up, and it deserves to be. I'm talking about ServiceNow. It's jumping after a third quarter revenue beat driven by strong subscription billings. Uh, the shares nearly doubling in the past year. Well, we know why that is. It's because a person by the name of Bill McDermott came in. Uh, he is the ServiceNow CEO. He has turned this company into a company that is integral to the organization and not just the, public, the private sector, but also the government with some fabulous VA contracts this, this quarter. Really just an impressive quarter. So, Bill, it is so great to see you. And, and congratulations for just hitting the ball out of the park. Thank you very much, Jim. The team did a great job. And thanks to our customers. Uh, they've been so loyal to us. 31% growth, 41 transactions over 1 million. Uh, strong momentum declared, uh, raising growth rate. These typically do not happen to a large company, Bill. These are small companies that have these numbers. So what are you doing to transform this company that you can get small company uh, growth from what is a very large $100 billion company? The Now platform has become the standard for digital transformation in business today, Jim. If you think about most of these companies, they're now grappling with the future of work. They have to accommodate their employees. They have very distributed workforces. How are they going to get them the tools that they need, onboard them properly, in some cases they never even meet the people they hire, and then obviously manage the experience they have digitally. 
Uh, this also extends to the customer. How do you go direct to the consumer? How do you make sure you give them a great service so they stay loyal to you? ServiceNow's platform is at the epicenter of all of that. And more and more, developers are building new innovation on the fly on the Now platform. So what I can tell you today, Jim, is the Now platform has become a standard for large enterprises around the world, and the ecosystem and the network effect building on that is truly sensational. And we're extremely fired up because we want to make work work better for people all over the world. Uh, in some ways, Bill, uh, you're uh, too humble because uh, some of these customers are not the kind of customers you expect. I just want to read some of these because some people understand the breadth of your company. U.S. Air Force, U.S. Army, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, uh, U.S. Senate, Federal Claims Court. Those customers matter too, huh? They really do, Jim. I mean, what we're trying to do is get to the essence of everything. So if you think about the veteran affairs, you know, really one of the great customers that we have in the world, we want to get it down to really caring about that veteran and making sure they have the best possible experience. If you think about the U.S. Air Force and their uh, digital future, um, they have a vision of what that digital future in space is going to be, and they're building it on the NOW platform. U.S. Senate, state of Tennessee, state of Alaska, schools in San Jose, uh, schools in Toronto, how do you keep teachers safe, students safe? How do you take all of these workflow processes, automate them in a way that's really pleasing to people? And, Jim, I know you're a big sports fan. Think about the NBA and the WNBA. We're now the official workflow sponsor for both. Why? We helped Adam Silver manage the bubble. And if you think about how great that playoff and championship series was, just think that it was done on the Now platform. Pretty exciting. No, it, it, Adam Silver can choose anybody. He chose you now. Uh, when you took this job, you come from SAP, you talked about your Rolodex. Uh, and I'm mindful that not only have you explored your Rolodex, but uh, let's go there for a second, Bill. SAP did not deliver a good quarter. I'm not saying it's a cause and effect situation. But when it didn't report a good number, a lot, a lot of people felt that maybe it's time to reassess this whole digital technology digitization group. From my look at your quarter, it, what tells me is, yes, it is time. The COVID, COVID has reaccelerated everybody, including you. I mean, I, I don't want to say that you've benefited because that sounds callous, but this is your time. A COVID environment is perfect for service now. Well, you know, Jim, digital transformation was the opportunity of our generation before COVID. Now, with COVID, it has accelerated and exacerbated all the issues of broken systems, siloed operations, people not getting things done in teams across organizations, people not realizing that 75% of the workforce by 2025 will be millennial generation people. Wow. Before COVID, they didn't want to be told to go into a cubicle. Do you think after COVID, once this thing clears up at some point in the future, they're going to be told to go into a cubicle? No, they're going to be digital. Yeah. And they're going to be absolutely expecting their employer to give them the best tools. Now, the big idea, if you want to give a customer a Michelin three experience, is you have to fuse the employee experience and the customer experience on a common platform. This way, most things can be automated for the customer on a self-service basis, but the things that can't can be immediately workflow ordered to get the right person in the right place with the right skill set at the right time. That's what we do. Hey, Bill. And that's why this is a thrilling moment. Bill, uh, it's David. Just real quick to sort of 
end here on that. I mean, you mentioned the future of work. You've mentioned distributed workforces. You've mentioned the benefits of your product for that world. What are you hearing from CEOs? Give me your best guess after the pandemic. What percentage of workers at many of these companies are going to be working remotely? Well, it's definitely going to be a hybrid world. I would say it's going to be half and half. Um, you know, depending on the industry that you're in and depending on the role that you have, you know, some people, if you're manufacturing something on assembly line, you're going to go in. But for the most part, it's going to be a hybrid world. The other thing I'm hearing is people are already preparing for working from home or working from anywhere through 2021. Because even if you do get a vaccine, it's obviously not going to get through the global population for somewhere as upward of a year, probably a year and a half from now. So this is the new reality that we're living with. And distributed workforces are a thing of not only the present, but also the future. And David, we're never going back to the way the world once was. That world is gone. This is a whole new world. And you have to digitally transform these companies to win. David, your kids, they're going to be telling their bosses, you know what? Take a hike. I work at home. Bill McDermott with a vision <laughs> that actually I think is actually kind of explosive and maybe terrific. Bill McDermott, president and CEO of ServiceNow. Congratulations on a great quarter. Got to go to a break. Good to see you, sir. Thank you. Jim, what's up on Mad? Etsy. Fastly and live personing. No, just live person, but I think. Wow. Uh, and I've got to tell you, we have to talk about Fastly. That stock really did fall apart. And Etsy, our mass, our mass peaking. That's a lot of people say. Mass are peaking. Or at least craft mass. We'll find out. Huge, yep. uh, huge business. And you got Marvell. You have Marvell. Yeah, we'll see you tonight. Right? 11 o'clock? Yep. We'll do, must watch. We'll do Marvell later on this morning. It's a yeah. must watch member. Uh, busy morning. It doesn't get any busier than this. Uh, Mad Money, of course, 6 p.m. Eastern time as the Dow goes green. Back in a moment. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen Gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.